This is Hacker Public Radio, and you're listening to the episode FSCon's Migo and the Story of Tyson. Enjoy the ride. Hello, I am Kenneth from the All in IT Radio podcast. Hopefully, you will hear more from me in the future. Let me tell you a little story about a Linux-based operating system called Tizen. And there are a lot of organizations and Linux distributions in this story, so try to keep up. It all started when Nokia created Mamo, which was based on Debian and it was created around 2005. Intel created Moblin, which used the Red Hat package manager somewhere closer to 2007. And these two companies thought it a good idea not to work on their own, so Intel and Nokia merged their projects and created Migo in February 2010. They developed it together under the banner of the Linux Foundation, who managed the project. After some meddling from Microsoft, which we all know about, Nokia lost interest in the project, so in September 2011 it was announced by the Linux Foundation that Intel and the Migo developers had joined up with the LIMO Foundation instead. So Migo and the LIMO Linux distribution will merge and become Tizen, which is to be released in 2012. And Tizen, Tizen will be everything for everyone. The embedded Linux distribution for the future, for everything from phones and cars to TVs. Or at least that's what they want you to believe. Migo's interface was based on Nokia's QT libraries. And as far as I know, QT will not be in Tizen. Although Wikipedia says that Tizen is to be compatible compatible with current Migo applications and allow to use them directly. How they uh, hope to achieve that without supporting the cute libraries, I do not know. There are hobbyists trying to port Qt to the Tizen platform, but nothing official yet. But the main interface in Tizen will be HTML5, so it's another system that will be very internet-friendly. Backing Tizen right now are a lot of companies. You have Intel, NEC, Panasonic, Samsung Electronics, Vodafone, LG Electronics, Casio Hitachi, Orange Telecommunications, Verizon Wireless, Ericsson, Huawei, Mozilla, Motorola, Opera Software, Texas Instruments, and so on and so forth. It's a rather hefty group, and that is about where we are today so far in the story. But it is not where I was a year ago. You see, last fall I went to an event called FSCons in Gothenburg, Sweden. FSCons described themselves by saying, FSCons is the Nordic country's largest gathering for free culture, free software and free society. The conference is organized yearly with 250 to 300 participants, primarily from Northern Europe. The main organizer is the Society for Free Culture and Software. And I mean, come on, of course I would not miss such an event. But to that, to this story, we have to add that I the day before had received a recording device. So, of course, at the conference I met some interesting people, 
and I managed to get a few interviews. The quality is not the best, I hope you will forgive me for that. I am a bit new at this interviewing gig, but still. The first man I got a hold of was named Knut. He's from Norway. His talk at FSCons had the title Cute on Migo. So this man, Knut Urvin, is a community manager at Nokia and also for the Cute development frameworks. Urvin has worked in various businesses from telecom to consultancy and education. He is also one of the board members of EFN, which is a Norwegian version of the Electronic Frontier Foundation. So I had a chat with him about Migo, Qt, QtQuick, KDE and some other topics. I just had a couple of questions about Migo. Well, the elephant in the room. How many Migo devices can I buy today on the market? I think one of the um, those you first of all you can buy a 900 which you can run Migo today. Which doesn't come develop. with Migo. That's right. So you have to do your flashing yourself, which a developer should should explore. And it's always fun, of course. That's always fun. <laughs> we also have this Vi uh, tab, tablet, which right. just recently are launched. You can see it on Linux devices. It's already out there. But as you imply, is that the platform is in its start. It has started just half a year ago it's not new it's that new so when you go to 2011 we will see more and more devices all right there are quite an impressive uh, number of companies and organizations supporting migo but isn't it too late to no. launch this kind of operating it, systems today on the contrary it's the right uh, timing all right and i will explain you why because people now have experienced the fragmentation in the Linux area, which every embedded developer encounter where they have to put together the Linux stack with a different system for sound, for video, for network, those different parts. Mm -hmm. And many have to make their own drivers. But with Migo, you can actually have a sanitized Linux experience and you can then concentrate more on application development. Everything today is about web applications, HTML5, and user experience, and, and Cute. All right, interesting. On that note, when you're talking about Cute, you mentioned Cute Quick. I'm a teacher in secondary education here in Sweden, and I have a couple of pupils who are doing advanced programming, and they are uh, taking a course in C++ and Cute development. Uh, should they continue doing that or is cute quick something they should be more interested in they can do both you can you don't exclude anything from doing more with cute quick you introduce an ease to make a touchscreen touch based application or animation or those things which make it much easier to make user interfaces and then you can still use your c++ knowledge when there, that's appropriate. You have a lot of C++ around there to support you with hardware. And the good, good thing about C++, if learning C++, then you can program everything because it's the toughest thing to start with. But with Qt Quick, you can also call really fast get that good user experience, and you can work much closer with designers. Designers themselves can make an application, and they can also 
integrate that with the Hara, with the C++ software. But what does it remind you of? What kind of programming language is Qt Quick? Is it's a declarative language, which all right. is different than an imperative language with C++ is. All right. Interesting. So it's another way of thinking. You declare what you want instead of having to follow through the whole animation sequence. You can actually declare that this will animate from one point to another, which from a, from a uh, animation point of view it's much more simpler so the having declarative language is, is much easier when you're gonna do those things so I I would do both and the students will love to do both <laughs> because you get so fast results <laughs> all right well that's true yeah I, I saw your slide about the bling it, yeah. it is interesting and yeah. it's, it's nice to see quick results uh, I just thought about uh, one thing you showed pictures from the cute conferences and there was some talk about this afterwards, that there were nothing from Nokia about KDE. And I noticed you had uh, a little GNOME icon regarding Mego, so you use the GNOME toolkit. And why? You used Empathy, which is uh, GTK technology GNOME uh, developed. Well, KDE is QT. That's right. Through and through. That's and right. why not only QT? Why not concentrate on this technology the that you already have? Since <laughs> you have an X server, you have a lot of legacy application which True. people consider rewrite to Qt or having a new user interface. And the Mego project uh, was also inherently coming from the Memo project using GTK. All right. What they no now do is to change the whole graphical experience to to Qt. That's the default support that it was told at Grand Canary Desktop Summit how they want to change. But we still support GTK GTK applications, so we don't remove that support, the community support of it. Right. So, but from the the development point of view, what we put developer resources onto. And the future generation application, it's built and made with Qt. And it's also much faster to make applications with Qt in general, general compared to any other tool in the market in the free software space. So that's one of the reasons, in addition to the, of course, APIs and such, which is much bigger than any competitors. All right. Will you leave X? You can do that with Qt. And we have... With a sample of that's the most reasonable thing to do because X uses a lot of memory and more True. resources. So it's a lot in, in, it's things we investigate to right. not only to investigate, we have for years with Qtopia, Qt, uh, we have support frame buffer. All right, thank you. You're welcome. Unfortunately, the situation is more or less the same one year later. Nokia has released the N9 with Mego in some countries here in Europe, as well as the N950, I believe is the name of that phone. Something like that. But not in the rest of the world. It was a huge success. The N9 was sold out immediately. It didn't even reach the shelves most of the time. But that won't affect Nokia's decision to leave Mego behind. And by the way, regarding that interview, I know GPL is the GIMP toolkit. My bad, sorry about that.
But still, there is one organization left which we have, haven't talked about yet, and that is the Genevieve Alliance. They want to create a standardized IVI, an in-vehicle infotainment system. That is, to speak plainly, an operating system for cars, planes and such. They chose Migo. And I have still not heard anything official from them about their stance on the Tizen project, but many of the companies backing Limo, which you remember are now a part, together with Migo, of the Tizen project, many of the companies backing Limo are also part of the Genevi Alliance. So, some of the names you might recognize are Intel, Arm, BMW, Jaguar Land Rover, Hyundai, Mitsubishi Electric, Nokia, Nvidia, Renault, Bosch, Samsung, Texas Instruments, TomTom, Garmin, GM, IBM, Nissan, Pioneer and many many more. If you want a complete list you have to visit the Genevieve Alliance homepage. And there was one man at the FS Cons conference that knew something about this. His name was Jeremiah Foster. His talk had the title Genevieve Alliance and how biz can adapt FOS. Jeremiah Foster is working for the Linux Foundation in the Migo IVI project group. He develops for Debian and Perl and has been a software designer for Ericsson. His many side projects include software design and development, system administration, automated testing and web development. I got the chance to ask him about the free and open source software way to develop software for companies, about his thoughts on Microsoft and Ford's IVI system Sync, and well, here it is. There's no proprietary way to compete with open source and free software. Ford Sync? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and they're out Why there, they're selling it now? Yep, I know. I was just at SAE Convergence, which is a huge uh, trade show in Detroit, and I've seen Ford Sync. It's a big deal, isn't it? It's, uh, sure. It's software. It runs on cars. There's some problems. All right. And there's a reason why a lot of the companies are looking at open source. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's problems with all software. I mean, they, you know, Ford's no different from, and Microsoft's no different from any other company. But the problems are different. I mean, the, the question is, can you scale a desktop operating system down to an embedded operating system? True. Um, and how much support do you have for that platform? Mm. Because you're not just moving from uh, a desktop system to an embedded system, you're also moving from one chip architecture to another. So it's a significant change, and that, that's a challenge for anybody. With Migo, both the chip makers are already deeply involved. The silicon manufacturers are deeply involved to make this a success. And then you have the licensees of the various technologies at the next level. So you have a complete stack from bottom to top. With Ford Sync, it's just one company you're getting. True. You're just getting Microsoft. And Microsoft, you know, they will tell you they have everything you need. And they very well might, but I think that you know it's healthy with competition in the marketplace. And it'll be very interesting to see what happens going forward. 
Who wants a blue screen of death on the car? Yeah, exactly. Even if it's just for watching movies. Yeah, that's true. What, what else is the object of this technology? I, I mean, it's infotainment. So it's yeah. what, what movies, uh, weather, GPS, yep. navigation, traffic updates. Yep, traffic updates. Right. Um, you know, downloading any kind of apps. I mean, car makers want an app store too. Right. And you could imagine, for example, toll payments. You could be done through the car, or other types of payment, or remind customers that this is a one-year service occasion. You know, saying now your car has gone thirty thousand miles, it's time to bring it to the garage. Or, you know, you've got all those sensors available on the car, and they're becoming much smarter. It's easier to mine that information, so you can say, look, you know, we've detected a, a higher than normal oil usage. You may want to look at that. I mean. Instead of just sort of a light coming on that says oil, you can have very specific and clear diagnostics that may save the car owner a lot of money. There was some talk this spring about some sensors checking the tires, the pressure mm -hmm. in the tire, which someone hacked and managed to get into the car system through those sensors in some way. Aren't there a danger in tying up these Any sensors into this kind of powerful system? Anytime, yes, yes, there is. Anytime you have a network, um, that network can be hacked to gain access to the chip itself. So yes, there is a significant and clear danger to that. Um, there are also significant and clear technologies to prevent that kind of hacking. All right. But this is a problem that that extends <clears throat> not just to cars, but to all computers that are on the internet. You know, you're exposed. And that's just the way it is. The only way to really guarantee any security is to take your computer off the internet. And that's just not realistic for a mobile platform. So there's going to have to be significant work being done and invested. And there already is. There's a, a very clear scope for doing security work around this. And Linux has a different security model than a lot of other operating systems. So uh, we do think that there's a great opportunity there. But yeah, that kind of hacking of tire sensor pressure, etc. That's well known and being carefully looked at. It's interesting to hear you speak about this because, well, on one hand we have Microsoft and uh, mm -hmm. their Sync technology, mm -hmm. and they say we have everything, just trust us. That's right. But the companies that are behind this Migo Ivy and, well, they seem like the same sort of companies, many of them, but still this is the free and open source uh, right. mythology and mentality yes. because well, it seems like they have given up somewhat. They shrug and say, well, we can't cover all the bases because this is a new thing in cars. We need help. We need to go come together and do it together. Collaborate uh, to, to find all the, the flaws. We won't find everything, but at least we get help from each other. Exactly. Is, is this the thought behind it? Oh, definitely. Definitely, it's a, a clear thought. And first and foremost, you want interoperability. I mean, if you can sell a car with a, a stereo that uh, adds $3,000 to the sticker price, that's what you want to do. If that car is being sold and then later the aftermarket stereo is being put in, you've lost $3,000. That's a significant amount of money. We're not talking about 100 or 20 bucks for an app. We're talking about thousands of dollars. So there's a huge impetus to make sure that the customer buys the, the stereo that comes with the car. So it has to be good. And you have to work with other companies. It has to work with your phone. 
So now all of a sudden you have to talk to Nokia, Google, Android, Samsung, etc., etc. So you need this interoperability. Now, if you have a closed ecosystem, you're going to have to compete. So Android's going to say, no, Microsoft, we're not going to tell you how to work with us. You can go out and find it on your own with reverse engineering, but we're not going to share from the beginning so that it just works when we release it. We will do that for those who collaborate with us, and that's what the Open Embedded or Open Handset Alliance is all about. So doing that, these customers get the latest software, they know the APIs beforehand, and their software automatically works when the device is released. Migo's gone one step further and saying, no, you can specify what's going to happen on the device beforehand. So this gives interoperability a huge boost. And Nokia's already said, here, all our Nokia phones will just work. So Nokia has a billion customers. That's a lot of phones. And that means that's a lot of cars that automatically will just work. Will that work with Microsoft Sync? Well, I don't know. I, it's not released for, for Microsoft's platform. It's released for Linux. Can they port that code? Yes. But they, they're bound to the GPL, which means that they have to ch give their changes back. True. So, you know, and, and Microsoft has done that. They have contributed GPL code to the Linux kernel before, so there's no reason that they wouldn't do that. But yeah, it's a significant challenge. You said Nokia guarantee that their phones will work, but that's their smartphones. <laughs> Not well, the feature phones. Any phone that does terminal mode. All right. The ending there is a little abrupt, but we had to leave that room rather quickly, unfortunately. If you want to hear more about Migo and its place in the FOSS and business world, you can listen to me and two of my co-hosts on the All in IT radio episode 0007. That link will be in the show notes. And hopefully you will be able to join me at FSCons this year, you will find information about that conference at fscons.org. I hope I will be able to give you some form of interviews from that conference. And I will also link to the talks that Knut Irvin and Jeremiah Foster gave at last year's FSCons in the show notes. Thank you for your time. Live long and podcast. You have been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by a HBR listener like yourself. If you ever considered recording a podcast, then visit our website to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club. HBR is funded by the Binary Revolution at binref.com. All Binref projects are proudly sponsored by Lunar Pages. From shared hosting to custom private clouds, go to lunarpages.com for all your hosting needs. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike 3.0 license.